0: Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. I'm co-founder of the online magazine, The Refined Woman, and my vision is to create a safe space where we can take off that Superman cape of having it all together and share our stories authentically and honestly. I really believe people are dying for the permission to be vulnerable, to just go there, but it takes someone being willing to go there first. It's my desire to do just that and invite you and others to do the same by removing that shiny mask of perfection and courageously sharing the imperfect journeys of life, spirituality, love, business, and everything in between. Welcome to another episode of The Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and you're listening to this and it is 2019. Oh my gosh, can you believe it? I just can't. Like, where does the time go? I am so excited to continue serving you and bringing you more meaningful content and interviews. And I'm excited to kick off this year with a conversation I recently had with Cheryl Scruggs. Now, Cheryl, you might recognize her last name, Scruggs, is the mother of Lauren Scruggs Kennedy, a dear friend of mine who was on one of the very first episodes of The Refined Collective. So after you listen to Cheryl today be sure and check out her episode. But let me tell you a little bit about Cheryl first. Her and her husband have a nonprofit called Hope for Marriages where they support couples in reconciling their marriages. They have co-written a book called I Do Again about their story. And I'm not going to tell you too much about it because we're going to cover a lot of it in today's episode. So let's just get on into it. Here is Cheryl. Cheryl, thank you so much for being with me today. I'm so excited to get to chat with you and talk about
1: marriage and reconciliation and your your life. Cat, you're I'm, I'm so honored to be on. You know how much I love you, oh. and so I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, I feel like well, you're one of the reasons why I even have a podcast. Oh um, my gosh! <laughs> yeah, it's so true, and I I think you know that. But we you started your journey. What was it? with thriving beyond belief your podcast a little over a year ago
1: yeah it was about um 13 months ago now
0: yeah, yeah. and how like how has that journey been for you cuz i know how it's been for me <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> you know at first it was a little rocky just um the learning curve i guess you know and uh mm-hmm. thinking that you have to be perfect with it all and just have it all together but um as you know i mean god takes us through journeys and so Um, now I feel like I'm kind of rocking and rolling with it. We have, uh, in fact, I put our 58th episode up today, um, because mine comes out on Wednesdays. But, uh, I just feel like you know I've really got it going now. But initially it was, it was hard, you know, just learning how to record and then the whole back office type stuff, what you do there and editing and I mean, learning to do the sound correctly, I mean, everything.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have I feel like I'm constantly like one wrong move away from like burning my computer down. <laughs> like, I'm like ugh, like ugh, I don't want to break this thing. And so for me it's like the tech stuff. I'm like I am not tech savvy at all. And I know I was like texting you like, what, what's do the really internet? Yeah. And, like, how do you start a podcast? And Yeah, but it's <laughs> been a really blast.
1: I, I think the most fun is just all the different guests that I've had and how fun that is and all the different people that I've met. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've met so many people just via Skype or online and, um, it's just really neat. I think, you know, our world is so big, but that turns into a small world where you you know people all over the place. It's so, so awesome.
0: Yeah. And you're getting to have these conversations. Like, I feel like it almost feels like a blind date. At least that's how it can feel like for me. Yeah. And except for we, yeah, we've never met before in our entire lives. And then we're talking about such personal, intimate things. Seriously. Like, I feel like we should just be like sitting on my couch right now, <laughs> <laughs> right, having a glass of wine.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and you just had your first live
1: event as well. Yeah, we did. We had one last week. It was a Thriving Beyond Belief live podcast event. Um, we had 200 women there. That was our max. And so we sold out. And, you know, wow, it was just so exciting. And, um, you know, we I had my two daughters there and I did a... a 20-minute talk on thriving, uh, kind of broke the word thrive down. I'm going to actually post that as an episode, um, not this week, but next week. I'm probably going to have two a two-part series because I've got an interview with my girls, Brittany um, and Lauren, and then a friend of mine interviewed the three of us. So it was oh, really that. fun. Oh, that sounds so fun.
0: And congratulations. I know we were talking like hosting an event, it feels so vulnerable. Like how it feels for me is I feel like I'm putting on like a dinner party yeah, and I'm like, I think people are going to show up. Yeah. <laughs> like I hope they show up. Yeah. Just so it can be like so
1: vulnerable. Yeah. It, it really is. You, you have no idea what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, so it was well, a blast. I'm so glad you're doing that. And um, I just adore you. I adore Lauren. And I don't know Brittany that well, but her little girl is the cutest. Are you just having so much fun being a grandma?
1: Oh, my gosh. One, it's hard to believe I'm a grandma. Number two, (laughs) I'm having a blast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What's your grandma name?
1: Momo. Momo. Oh, my gosh. And what's Jeff's? It is Papu. Oh my gosh, that's so cute. <laughs> Which, that's that's the Greek name for uh, grandfather. Oh, no way. Yeah, and we're not well, even
0: Greek. <laughs> hey, you know, you guys are just teaching the kids to be bilingual. Yeah. And, you know, learn those important languages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, cute. Well, one, I want to like dive right in with you, Cheryl. Um, your story and your story with Jeff has... I know impacted so many people's lives. And before we were recording, I was just telling you, I was watching a video about your story and I started crying and Uh I'm like, I've known your story for a long time. But what is so precious to me about your story, Cheryl, is I feel like we live in a culture that is instant gratification and says, be a part of the relationship, be a part of the job, be a part of the commitment and until it until it stops feeling good. And as soon as it stops feeling good, get out, like live your truth, do what feels good. And without telling your story, I just, I just, you guys have chosen a really counter cultural response in your marriage. Aww, thank and you. And I would, yeah, I just want as many people as possible to hear your story. So I would love just to kind of open it up to you and hear how you and Jeff Got to know each other, how you met, and just the
1: beginning of your marriage story. Yeah, well, you know, I'm getting older, (laughs) which is kind of (laughs) a really interesting season. But um, my husband and I met in 1982. Actually, we met in 1981 uh, in Memphis, Tennessee, and I was in college, and he was working in Memphis, and I was a waitress. Actually, I was a cocktail waitress. Uh, in awesome. a bar, yeah, that one song you know, I met you in a bar, whatever it is, yeah, uh, whatever. I was
0: working as a waitress in it. That one, there you go.
1: That <laughs> one. And <laughs> so he came in one day, and I was I was doing that job. It wasn't this, you know, the uh, skimpy outfits, cocktail waitress type job. It was uh, actually a pretty classy place, and I was putting myself through college. And uh, he walked in to the place and um my first reaction was who is that my second reaction was my fiance was working that night too with me <laughs> oh gosh oh <So>, yeah <laughs> and so um he actually sat in my section we started talking a little bit and um by the end of the night he asked me for my name and number and um, he asked me out and I said uh, gosh I'm so sorry but Um, I can't and so he he's in sales or was in sales and so he came back the following week and I could not stop thinking about him um, that whole week yeah and you know honestly I wasn't really even though I was engaged I knew deep down that I wasn't going to marry this other guy and so you know, at that point in time, I wasn't walking a faith walk. I was raised going to church my whole life, but I didn't know Jesus um, at that point in time. And so I wasn't looking at it from that uh, perspective at all. But anyway, when he came back the next week, I did say yes. And that basically began a year long, you know, relationship. And we got engaged a year later. And I was, yeah, I had graduated from school and went away for training and came back. And when I came back, uh, he told me he had good news and bad news. And um, he told me the good news first, or actually he told me the bad news first, which was he got transferred to Los Angeles. And the the good news was, you know, and he asked me to marry him. And so we got married in the fall of of 1982. Were you even born yet? <laughs> I my brother was born. Okay, thanks. I
0: was almost born. <laughs> you
1: were almost born. Yeah, I'm 85. <laughs> okay, so uh, anyway, we you know we got married in a couple months. We planned a wedding in two months, which is almost impossible. But wow, yeah, we did do that, and we moved to LA, and we began our married life out there. And um, you know, we were just going and blowing and living that world, the LA lifestyle. We had great jobs. We made a lot of money. We had an ocean view home. I mean, we were in our twenties and looked like we had the world by the tail and, you know, just not to make this too long, but I, I started to feel really lonely in my marriage about two years in. And, you know, I just didn't know what to do with that. And I thought uh, there was something wrong with me and for feeling that way, because it looked like we had the perfect life. And So I didn't say anything to Jeff at that point. Um, I just kind of kept it to myself and I was trying to just um, communicate to him via body language and hinting around and things like that. But I was afraid to tell him that, you know, I wasn't really, whatever you want to call it. I don't don't like to use the word happy, but I wasn't happy Mm. at that point and I didn't know how to explain that to him and... You know, the reality uh, was that he and I did not connect really very well emotionally. And we had a great sex life, uh, but we weren't connecting heart to heart. And we had no spiritual walk at that point uh, in our life. And he grew up in the church and he did know Jesus. And um, he pretty much had walked away from his faith when we met. And so um, he wasn't walking a walk. And I didn't know there was a walk. So mm, that was yeah. kind of our our beginnings. So, you know, time went by. We started to try to have children and we ran into some issues. And um, so we had some infertility issues. And long story short, uh, we went through in, vi- in vitro fertilization to have mm-hmm. our twin daughters who are now 30. They were born. Whoa. Yeah, they were born in 1988. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, that was awesome. And I thought, well, maybe that's part of the missing link here. And, you know, I was fine for a while. And then it just started to just really flood me again of just being um, not uh, happy. I use that in quotations. Yeah. So yeah. um I was, you know, I had a great job and every year I went on our uh, national sales uh, trip and I was there in 1990 and I started talking to a guy that I'd known for a long time and uh, long story short that particular uh, night led to a full-blown affair not that night but just over conversation and then us meeting a month later at a hotel and it became a full-blown adulterous affair and our girls were 16 months old I'm not proud of any of this at this point in time now, but this Mm -hmm. is our story and um, about really all around the same time that this was all going on. I told Jeff that I didn't love him. I didn't think I ever had. And he was just like completely dumbfounded because he thought what, what in the world happened? Um, We didn't fight. I mean, we just, I mean, it was just uncharacteristic of me Mm. to even um, be in this place. And so the cool part, I guess, I always say it's the cool part because it kind of is. Um, basically, God took us out of L.A. and moved us here to Dallas, which is where we live now and have been here since 1990. But I thought, um, you know, I could run away from that situation, get to Dallas, work on my marriage, and everything would be great. And I got here And I missed the emotional connection I had with this guy. And this this guy didn't live in the LA area. So the majority of our relationship was talking on the telephone and connecting heart to heart. Um, And so I missed that. And I started calling him from here. And long story short, that led to me filing for divorce a year later. And I divorced Jeff in August of 1992. So that was that. (laughs) that part
0: yeah I mean even just as you're so much is coming up and I'm as you're sharing your story and I think one thing that I would just am curious to lean into with you is that loneliness you started to feel Mm -hmm. and I mean even when you're like I'm giving him like the nonverbal cues like I think man how many women can resonate with that like and thinking why isn't he picking up like yeah Looking back now, like what felt so empty to you? And I mean, I just in my head, I just am wondering, like, did you feel trapped? Like, what? Because you did have like all these things, right? Like, I think even whether you're a Christian woman or not, you know, to have that financial security, you have a great sexual chemistry, you have this beautiful home. You, it's like you had the life, right? Like, why wasn't like
1: was it scary to you that it didn't feel enough? Like, what? well, I just thought, honestly, and I think a lot of women feel this way. And you know, as I, you know, tell a bit, a little bit more about uh, our story, you know, mm-hmm. what Jeff and I do now is, you know, I have a, um, you know, I'm a biblical marriage counselor, and so uh, what I see with women is most of the time just being fearful of, you know, saying anything, um, and if you're any any type of a person like me, I'm the oldest of five, you know, perfectionist type A. And so back then I was thinking there's got to be something wrong with me. And I had him on a pedestal and I didn't really know how to process all of that or to communicate really Mm. what was Mm -hmm. going on in my heart. And so I just kind of kept burying that. Mm -hmm. So I can say a lot more about that because now what I realize is Um and maybe just tell the rest of the story so that I can explain a little bit more. But Mm -hmm. so we divorced in August of nineteen ninety two, and we had been going to church for the first time in our marriage when we came to Dallas. You know, our marriage was in trouble, so often people start going to church, and so what was happening there is that God was really pricking my heart and really showing me that that was a huge missing piece as well. Uh, that Jesus was a huge missing piece in our marriage. And so I didn't do anything about that while we were still still married. But when we divorced, I started going to a different church. And every week I was so convicted, not that I, I didn't feel like I had made this huge mistake because I was so lonely and I felt like that's exactly what I was supposed to be doing. But I felt a conviction of, wow, I think God had a different plan and we weren't following it. And so two months after our divorce was final, it finally came together for me and I realized that some of the missing link in our marriage was the spiritual part and the Jesus part of it. Mm -hmm. And so I started just pouring my life into the church and the Bible and studying the Bible for the first time in my life. And I realized that God had a plan for a relationship, for dating and for marriage and sex and everything. And so by the end of the year, 1992, I realized that, oh, my gosh, um, I feel like God is wanting us to pursue reconciliation. And so Jeff, wow. Yeah. And I was like, wow. <laughs> no, I don't I don't think so. You know, that's what I said at first and I was learning how to connect with the Lord and pray and understand like how it how scripture was relating to me personally because I didn't grow up that way. I didn't understand how that all worked. And so it took me a few months to figure out you know what I was studying actually pertained to my life personally, and that you know Jesus was a huge part of my life. And so, about six months after our divorce was final, um, I went to a Tommy Nelson Bible study at a large church here in Dallas, and Tommy Nelson was uh, doing a study on the Song of Solomon, and. I didn't even know what the Song of Solomon was. I found out it was a book in the Old Testament that talked about God's plan for a relationship. And I sat there for six weeks, and I realized that um, Jeff and I really missed it. And God was really knocking on my door to go talk to Jeff and tell him that I had become a Christian and that I felt like God was wanting us to put our marriage back together. And he said sorry it'll never happen you're the one that you know broke up our family our marriage you're the one that wanted a divorce i didn't want this blah 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 so that all happened gosh did
0: that just was that so vulnerable like to go to him and say that like I'm my hands are sweating just thinking about it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) I was so nervous. And basically, I'd read him. uh, You know, I wrote him a letter, and then I asked him if I could read it because I was so nervous. And when he said, Cheryl, you know, I appreciate you coming. He was kind of. He was gracious. um, But it's never going to happen. So don't ever talk to me about that again. And we'll do fine with the girls together. And you know, it's just. You're the one that wanted all this. So that's kind of how he left it. And we saw each other a lot. We lived five minutes from each other and we traded the girls back and forth. And, you know, we worked really well in that capacity. But God was really growing me. And, you know, I was a little confused because I didn't, I I thought, well, was that God or not? Or, you know, I don't understand how to understand God, you know, things like that. And so, I just kept pursuing what I was supposed to, what I felt like God was asking me to do. And so it went on for a long time. But for um, five years, I was studying what to do and pursuing Jeff as much as I could. And finally, he just said, look, this is never going to happen. So stop. You've got to stop. And you've got to stop being my Holy Spirit. And so... God really put me in. A, yeah, God really put me in, <laughs> put me in a place to persevere and endure with Him. And the journey in those five years was learning who God was, understanding what obedience to Him meant, understanding the Scriptures, um, and all of that. And so I s- took myself out of being God to Jeff because I was trying so hard because I was so desperate because I felt like I had made such a spiritual mistake. Um, And so I was scared, you know, I was scared to get back into it, but I just, the more I read about biblical marriage and all of that, I just realized if we could work on this, we could have a marriage honoring God and, you know, being what God wanted us to be rather than who we were, you know, uh, in our first marriage. So year five, um, God started to soften Jeff's heart in in some ways and we started what I call dating as a family. And so we spent a lot of time the four of us together doing things, you know, going to each other's houses for dinner and that was about a year long. So uh year 5 to 6 and then in year 6 um Jeff started to ask me out on dates and we started to pers- yeah, we started to pursue um potentially getting back together. And we didn't tell the girls at first because we didn't want to disappoint them. And they were the parent trap twins. They were yes. constantly praying for us to get back together. But anyway, just um there's so much more detail cat in all of that. But uh six and a half years in, um, you know, Jeff and I were talking and I just said to him, you know, what are you waiting on? I don't understand because we've been, you know, basically not together for five, dated for a year as a family. And then now we've been dating for about six months. What are you waiting on? And his response to me was, Cheryl, how do I know you're not going to do the same thing? And I just sat there for, I was a little dumbfounded, um, but understood Uh, why he would ask that. And so I asked the Lord silently to show me and and really just give me the words to say to Jeff. And what I said to him at that time was, Jeff, this isn't about you. And this isn't even about our marriage. This is about God. And I never want to disappoint my God again. And so that's when we decided to get remarried. So we've been back together almost 20 years now which has been kind of crazy. yeah. And so God God birthed a marriage ministry from that. And so we have our ministry, Hope Matters Marriage Ministries, and we meet with couples and individuals all the time and just really direct them, you know, down the biblical path of marriage.
0: I want to pause in today's episode to tell you about something I am so excited and passionate about. So for my single ladies, this one is for you. I just want to say, I get it. Dating in today's culture can be a struggle fest. Do you ever feel like you're going to end up being a crazy cat lady, watching Bachelor reruns, eating pirate booty all by yourself? I get it, girl. Let's face it. Dating can feel confusing, frustrating, isolating, and like a desert wasteland. But it doesn't have to be. I created a free resource guide just for you to support you in getting out there this year. It's called Six Tips to Activating Your Dating Life with Intention and Clarity. I truly believe that whether you've never been kissed or your last date was 20 minutes ago, this guide can support you in shaking things up and putting yourself out there in honoring and, might I also say, fun ways... These are the exact things I have implemented into my dating life over the last few years that have empowered me, given me clarity, and propelled me into getting from my couch onto an actual date. So hold up. If you're married or already in a relationship, don't tune me out. I know you have some girlfriends in your life that would benefit from this. So whether you are married or you are a single girl ready to put yourself out there, go to bit.ly slash trwdating. That's bit, B-I-T dot L-Y slash T-R-W stands for The Refined Woman Dating. This is where you can grab your free guide, six tips to activate your dating life now. So ladies, let's get out there, shake things up and have fun. I am with you on the journey. Just, I mean, when you're talking, I have so many questions for you, but This is going to sound silly, but there's um, I Love Beyonce. Yeah. And there's a line in her latest album. And she says, now that reconciliation is possible, if we're going to heal, let it be glorious. Yeah. What did, can you unpack just for a few minutes what reconciliation looked like? Like stepping back into marriage, stepping back to living under the same roof and, (laughs) you know, like... I'm sure there were some like bumps and bruises along the way there, Um, but how has that healing journey been for you guys remarried? Yeah.
1: Well, first of all, the underlying factor was that Jesus became the center of our marriage. And so that changed a lot of things. We're still human. And so for me, it was really funny because um, when I would get up in the morning and go get my coffee and I I've spent the last twenty six years, you know, getting up. I used to get up at five, um, when our kids oh were my in gosh. I know at elementary school. And then as they got older, um, I didn't I don't get up that early now to be in the Word and all that. But I had been doing that for seven years and I was like, who is this person here? You know, this is like interrupting my style. And <laughs> and he felt the same. And you know, we had to really Talk about how we had hurt each other, and ask for forgiveness, and um, you know, work towards the reconciliation, knowing that Jesus was the center of this. Now that we could do that, and really just try to get out of our flesh and and walk that walk, you know, Mm -hmm. and basically a sinner married to a sinner, and you know, God is a God of reconciliation. Will got you know we're reconciling with Jesus every day and so it's having that mindset of mm. we're continually reconciling Jeff and I don't have a perfect marriage and we laugh because everybody thinks we do because of what we <laughs> do now mm-hmm. but um you know it's it's a journey and it's kind of it's so cool because it's a journey that we're doing together yeah and during doing this marriage journey together. So
0: Mm. I think when you're talking, I just, I hear this, just this commitment of no matter like what happens, like we're, we're in it, like we're in it for the long haul. And I think of myself as a single woman, I'm 33 years old, single, and so many of the women listening are single as well. And sometimes I think, what is it like to be that committed to another human being? Like how as a single person Mm -hmm. can I set myself up for success in a relation in in a marriage relationship, because you know, if I have roommates and it's not working out, I can get a new place. Yeah. Or I feel like the closest thing we have to that is our family. But I'm an adult now. I haven't lived at home since I was 18, and I'm not sharing a bank account with them. Like you know, all these things. So I just, what would you say to me? I guess, like Cheryl, you tell me. Yeah. <laughs> like, what can I do as a single woman to like? Prepare for like that sort of like I'm all in
1: commitment. Yeah. Well, I think one of the most important things I think Cat is for women, and I see a lot of women, and uh, now with my podcast being directed pretty much towards women thriving beyond mm-hmm. belief um, to help women thrive in life, is you yourself have to understand who you are, who God's made you, and be comfortable in your own skin and, mm-hmm. um, you know, do the work that you have to do for yourself. Like whatever it is, if there's been, there have been wounds in your life, you know, get some counseling, understanding how your past impacts you, um, because that will impact your relationship, really all your relationships. But also coupling that with realizing that God is going to take you through a lot of seasons as a woman. And each of those seasons is an opportunity for him to teach you something else, mature you, um, and all of that. And so then you've got kind of what I call kind of a gift or um, an add-on of a marriage in you know it's a very serious thing i mean when we get married it's a covenant with you and your spouse and god and so it's not to be taken lightly and mm-hmm. you know i just what what we see a lot of is just people well i'm not happy so i'm getting out i mean that's what i did yeah and i didn't know to be committed at a deeper level i guess so mm-hmm. a lot of people well i'm not happy i'm going to leave my needs aren't being met, Then I'm just going to leave. Well, what would would have been important for me at that point in time is to actually have a conversation with my husband. Mm -hmm. And again, like I said earlier, I think women get fearful of um, really sharing a deeper part of their heart. And that's important to develop. And sometimes we learn to do that with girlfriends and, you know, being in community um, in our church and whatever, you know, uh, whatever we, however we do that. And and that's just really key because I think there's a lot of women that don't understand themselves before they actually get into marriage. And you don't have to understand yourself fully. I mean, trust me, I'm almost 60 and I don't understand myself fully still. Mm, yeah. <laughs> that's part of the yeah. journey. Um, yeah. So I think it's really having an open mind of what God's trying to show you and teach you. Yeah. I I love,
0: I love that you said that. And even I'm just thinking of just how important it is to learn how to, I, I say with my friends, I'm like, okay, let's use our words. Like learning to put my heart out there yeah, and to communicate, okay, here's what's coming up for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think sometimes, I don't communicate that with others because I haven't done the time to like sit with it myself. Yeah. And mm-hmm. really, and then to bring that to light, I was, I, Cinderella is my favorite movie. And <laughs> there's a quote at the very end of Cinderella. And it says like the, the biggest risk a person takes is to allow herself to be seen as she truly is. Yeah. And I think that is like like putting your heart out there, like in a marriage where you're like, I'm supposed to be happy and I am not, or this I feel lonely, that can feel really scary to let myself be seen. But I think it's like such a worthy, a worthy thing to step into that vulnerability. But it's scary and it takes practice and it's
1: like a month, a muscle that needs to be strengthened. Well, and I think happiness is very fleeting. And so right. I think what we need to think about is a deep joy. That's what what the mm. Lord wants for us is deep joy. And so you can be going through trials and still have deep joy. Um, and so it's a totally different thing. And I think, you know, again, like I mentioned, I had put my husband on a pedestal and I had him as mm. an idol in my life. And that's, that's a kind of a dangerous place to put a person because mm. people are always going to fail you. And That's so right. you, we have to remember that. And so it's just, you know, understanding who you are and strengthening your relationship with the Lord and, um, under, you know, just understanding where you're coming from or why you have reactions like you do and things like that. Mm-hmm. That's just a really important thing for all of us to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I just, the word that keeps coming to my mind as you're speaking is like hope, Yeah, like being connected to hope and if you could now go back to your younger self, that woman that was, you know, a year and a half into her marriage, like feeling the things she was feeling, like lonely, afraid, what hope could you offer her?
1: Yeah, I think if I had, well, first of all, uh, I had no mentors
0: mm-hmm. at all.
1: We were just kind of going and blowing. And the most important thing to us was how much money we made and you know, where we lived and going to the beach every weekend and all that kind of stuff. And I think if I had learned to have deeper relationships, I think that would have helped. We weren't involved in a church at all. And so that I mean, gosh, that would be just a cornerstone, you know, mm. for I wish we could go back and, and do all that over again. But that's not what our story is, you know, that's not what mm. happened. Um and God's timing is perfect for everything. So um, I really believe that, but I also think that understanding and asking ourselves the question, "What am I afraid of?" and "Who am I?" are key questions to understanding, you know, how we operate and all of that kind of stuff. Because I think we're we're we you know, fear can really paralyze us if we're not careful. And most people think fear is, oh my gosh, I'm afraid of the dark, or I'm afraid of heights or whatever. But oftentimes we live in emotional fear or physical fear, um, sometimes spiritual fear. And and so it's it's really important to recognize that. Mm, so good. I'm literally taking notes because you're like speaking to my soul right now. <laughs> oh, good. Um, yeah. But hope, you Shall- know, hope, God is hope. And so yeah, Jesus right. is our hope. And that that's what I always go back to. Mm.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's so good. And Cheryl, thank you for you just like dove to the deep end right from minute one and just do that shared sometimes. your story. I love it. It's it's the way I roll. I love it. And um, I just know so many women and men need to hear your story. And I know that you and Jeff are up to so many incredible things. I have your book I do over. And it's incredible where how can people stay in touch with you if there's couples out there that are like, I like can we can can you counsel us? Like yeah, what does course. that look like for you guys? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. how can
1: we get how can we get in touch with you? Yeah. So our ministries, Hope Matters, Marriage Ministries, we're here in Dallas, but we counsel in person, we do Skype calls, we do phone calls, uh, really in the all over the United States, um, sometimes overseas. That's always really special. Um And uh, our Instagram is at Cheryl Scruggs. And so all of everything's on there. Our marriage posts are on there. Uh, My podcast for women is Thriving Beyond Belief. And you can just go to thrivingbeyondbelief.com. I post who's going to be on every week at Cheryl Scruggs on Instagram. Um, Our Facebook is at Cheryl Scruggs. Everything's at Cheryl Scruggs, Uh, Twitter and everything. Um, We kind of combined everything because we had so many things going on. But um, our book is I Do Again. Yeah. So we just do all of that. We speak all over and share our Mm. story. And we've been doing that almost 20 years now. Uh, just to give people hope and encouragement, uh, we named our ministry "Hope Matters" for a reason, mm-hmm. um, because God gives us so much hope, and there is hope even when you think there isn't any.
0: That's right. Oh, yeah. that's so good. Yeah. Thank you for your heart, and thank you for what you're doing. It. I just you're breathing. You're breathing light into dark places, and I just agree with you that hope matters. And and God is the God that makes a way when there doesn't seem to be a way. And I love that like your life and your marriage and your family is, such a testament to that truth of,
1: Aww, of thanks cat so, yeah
0: i love um, you so much so i love you thanks so much for your time and um yeah i can't wait to just keep following along with your podcast and what you're up to and i think you should do an event in new york is all i'm gonna say oh my gosh <laughs> i would love that all right love you friend okay I love you okay bye-bye. bye bye friend. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I want you to know that this project of mine is such a labor of love, and it wouldn't be possible without you, without your support, without your encouragement, without your feedback. So if you have a minute and you are enjoying this podcast, if you are an avid follower, or maybe this is the first episode you're listening to and you loved it, go to iTunes search The Refined Collective Podcast and subscribe. And if you're feeling even some extra love, I would love to ask you to write a review for us. Now, this helps us get to more eyes to get to more people. It kind of acts as like an SEO for podcasts. So if you have a minute, go find us on iTunes or on your podcast app, search The Refined Collective, subscribe, and rate and review us. It would mean the world to us. Next, if you are new here, maybe you've listened for a long time and there's topics, questions, comments, concerns that you have about what we're up to, follow us on Instagram, The Refined Woman. Send me a DM and I will get back to you and let me know what you want to hear about. Let me know what you want to talk about and I would love to make that happen for you. Have such a fabulous day. (laughs) Bye.